honestly, I am such an internet addict. Like I just totally grew up with my parents being like, you can have a half hour of time a day. And I use that half hour to like design my live journal to look so cool. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Whisker Talks, the Whisker Cloud Marketing Podcast. Who else on earth could I have on the first episode ever of the Whisker Cloud Podcast other than the famous in Worcester, Massachusetts only, <laughs> Danielle Lambert? Did I pronounce Worcester correctly or is it Worcester? Have you been practicing Worcester? You know, you had it right. <laughs> I literally spent the first 30 minutes before the- <laughs> recording just saying that word over and over again (laughs) that's what you were doing the whole time i was trying to figure out how to use a computer (laughs) danielle this is not live we don't need to tell people what happened (laughs) oh sorry (laughs) we won't tell anybody that i i have issues with using computers that's absolutely not a thing (laughs) i am i am a fantastic computer user and that is how i built (laughs) snoutschool.com And on that note, as the person that's taught 98% of vet med how to use social media, (laughs) (laughs) we've been talking about doing a Whisker Cloud podcast for years. I think there's really only one reason it was never done, because I am a psychotic OCD weirdo. (laughs) I realize I introduced you. No one knows who I am. Maybe I'm Adam, founder, owner of Whisker Cloud. There was a long pause there. I was trying to think of another term there, but I couldn't think of anything. So, uh, yep, I started Whisker Cloud back in 2016. And fate brought Danielle and I together. I was speaking at a conference. I had given a talk. And Dr. Julie Busby walked up to me. I'm not going to attempt to do her South Carolina accent. Thank you. And she said, do you know Danielle Lambert? (laughs) And I was like, no. And she said, you know, when a stranger walks up to you and asks if you know another stranger, typically the answer is no. Um, (laughs) She said, you need to meet her like right now. And I had dinner with her that night. I think I reached out to you like a day later. And six months later, you finally wrote back. And uh, (laughs) now we went from strangers while I was speaking at a conference in Arizona to neighbors Mm -hmm. at one point. To, according to some of our other neighbors, related. Siblings, yes. Siblings. (laughs) For those of you, you can't see us, but you have red hair. I have a red beard. (laughs) Obviously, people would see us and think we're related. In Orange County, we really stood out. We weren't blonde. They got confused and they assumed (laughs) we were siblings. (laughs) So you're from Massachusetts and then you moved to Portland. Yes. And then you met me. And you flew down and I said, oh, hey, why don't you come over and we'll get to know each other. We'll have dinner. And I don't know, was it about eight hours later that you were my neighbor? I did move right in. (laughs) I was like, okay, well, have a good night. Have a safe flight back. I think it was two days later. I was walking my dogs and I saw you with boxes and I said, what are you doing? I thought you were back in (laughs) Portland. You said, I'm moving in. Hey, listen, if you live in Portland, Oregon for any amount of time and you escape to see the sun, you pretty quickly want to move. (laughs) So I don't apologize for stalking you around the country. And now we both, I think now, and then you moved out of the building and I also moved out of the building. We're still within like a really small radius, but don't worry. I'm going back to where I came from in a couple of weeks. So I, it's been fun stalking you, but I am moving on now. I know it's weird. I can't believe I decided to move back to Worcester like a week before you did. This is really freaking me out. (laughs) I'm going to move into my building and you're just going to be there. (laughs) Maybe we should talk about who should I stock next in vet med? Who else lives in a good place? Who do I want to move around and follow? (laughs) You could follow Cody Creelman around. It seems like he's doing some cool stuff and he's on the road all the time. Yeah, he always gives me a hard time that he's seen more of the US than I have because him and his family went on a big like road trip all over the place. But now he's starting work on his new clinic, FenVet. So he's actually going to lay roots down up there in Alberta. And I I don't know. I'm from a cold weather climate, but I don't know if I'm really ready for that. (laughs) No. Yeah. I'll wait till he wants to open a clinic in a somewhat more uh, temperate climate. (laughs) Well, let's do this. For the people that don't know you, 
what is Snout School? And so when people ask me who's Danielle, I typically say she was like the first influencer in vet med. <laughs> Do I have that right? I feel like you were like an influencer is a weird word. Some people it like is it is a weird word. <laughs> I know. But like you were the first influencer in vet med. You were the first person who said, I want to help these people. And I think it's cool when you're first. So why don't you talk about what Snout School is, how it got started, and how it's evolved? Yeah, yeah. First and foremost, if you're not first, you're last, Adam. So thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I really, I it really started out of honestly, I am such an internet addict. Like I just totally grew up with my parents being like, you can have a half hour of time a day. And I use that half hour to like design my live journal to look so cool. <laughs> and that's about as far as my coding skills ever went. So as I kind of started to work for my dad's clinic in Northeastern Connecticut and started to figure out ways that we could just make things faster and easier using the internet, really. I think, frankly, so much of it came out of being a CSR for so long and getting sick of answering the same questions. And I was like, how can I write a blog about this and shoot out an email to people about it? Or how can I post on Facebook about it? You know, all of that stuff just to kind of streamline things, make it easier and build a bigger connection with the clients that we have. So that's really, I spent about two years tinkering with all of that kind of stuff. You saw the website that I tried to build myself. It was not good, but I tried. But there was just nobody providing the kinds of things that I needed for a website. And there was nobody really teaching what I was doing with the internet. I would go to continuing education as a practice manager and I would go to these marketing continuing educations and they were just so behind what I was accomplishing with social media. And I was like, geez, I need to pass this on because I would be at my little like round table at the meeting telling everybody at my table about other things they could do, <laughs> like doing a mini side presentation. So I really realized that I was going to need to make my own platform to put this information out there Frankly, I feel like nobody at the time wanted to listen to like a 24-year-old talk about how to run their business too. And now, like eight years later, I kind of understand why maybe people were hesitant to listen to me. So I built Snout School as the platform where I could teach people without having to kind of play the game of getting into consulting. Is It's hard in vet med. It's kind of a good old boys club, so to speak, although there are some women in it. But it's just very much so the same consultants that kind of have that space. And so to bring new information out, I was like, shoot, I'm going to have to build my own platform. So that's really where Snout School was born, just to help people learn about how to market their clinic. And it's been since 2014. And it's just changed and grown so much. And we're in 2021 going to be making even more changes. But it's increasingly becoming really focused on that initial motivator for me where I was like, I have good information. I want to share it with other people. And the veterinary industry isn't giving me an outlet for that. So I'm going to create it. So now I really like using the Snout School platform to empower other women in veterinary medicine that have something to say, that have a unique perspective to have a place where they can educate each other. And so just trying to kind of help everybody learn about stuff, level up, build brands, build themselves up and really succeed as much as possible within vet med. That's cool. And obviously, I think if someone listening to this doesn't know you, that's pretty wild. I feel like Whisker Cloud, Snout School, they're kind of synonymous with each other. What I'm going to do is I'm going to go a step before that. So it's no secret that I'm a, a lover of Marvel and superheroes. Every hero <laughs> has an origin story. So what is your veterinary origin story? Obviously, <laughs> your father's a veterinarian, but... Just because he's a veterinarian and owns a hospital doesn't necessarily mean that you had to work there. So what was the origin story that made you say, I want to be in this field in many different capacities? It's really funny that you think that when your parents own a business, you have an option to not work there. <laughs> I, you have to tell my other siblings that now work for my dad that there are other options. My little sister seems to be the only one that's figured it out. That really is the gist of it, right? So my dad, he went back to veterinary school as a second career. So he actually was working in... My dad has an economics degree. I would love if there's a veterinarian listening that has an economics degree... I would love 
to talk to you because I think my dad might be the only veterinarian that also has an economics degree. So my dad had been working as like a stockbroker, selling insurance, all these kind of more like financial world things. And after my parents split when I was super, super young, they both went on these new journeys to create new careers for themselves. And so my dad went back to veterinary school. My dad graduated from veterinary school when I think he was probably like 36, 37. He went back to school. And the reason this is relevant is I got dragged along to school with him because for part of that time before he remarried with my stepmom, he was single. So he was like dragging me to school. One of his classmates actually sent a class picture the other day and I'm in the class picture. I saw that. <laughs> oh my God. It's so good. Right. So I I am part of the class of Tufts uh, 1997. And so I just was like immersed in that world from such a young age, very literally immersed because, you know, when you have parents that are like co-parenting you, sharing you joint custody, you get kind of tossed around uh, different options in terms of who's going to watch you. So I was just vet school with my dad and watching my dad work so hard through that. And then I watched him build a practice. I grew up counting heartworm preventative for fun. What child doesn't? Uh, <laughs> and doing all of these things. I was basically, they were like making me do inventory. They were making me do inventory. The first clinic where my dad was an associate, they'd be like, here's the heart guard. Can you count each color? And I was like, you just made me do inventory. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a game and it's fun. It's a fun game. How many green? How many blue? Like, <laughs> yeah. And that's about as fun as inventory ever seemed to me. Because like I grew up in this space, but I never have been somebody for the medical side of it. It's just not in me. I didn't like it, but I loved being in the veterinary clinic itself. Like I loved the business. I loved interacting with our clients. I worked as a CSR once my dad launched his own practice. Five years after he graduated, he built his own practice, Quinnebog Valley Veterinary Hospital. And I can say that so well because I answered the phone for about a billion years in high school. And my dad kind of had that typical model a lot of practices have where they don't really have a manager, right? Like you run into people still that don't really have anybody managing their clinic, right? <laughs> yeah, it happens. So I very much so kind of took on that role increasingly. When I graduated from college, I was going to college and working for my dad, but I was planning on going to law school. I graduated in 2011, probably similar kind of time to you where the world was kind of not as crazy as it is now in 2020, but it was definitely not a great time to be going out and trying to find a job. It was like, oh, you have a liberal arts degree. Congratulations. Here's 30 grand. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, yeah, great. Would you like to be our admin? My dad always had kind of empowered me to kind of really like supported me and empowered me to kind of do things with the clinic that I had more free reign on. So the idea of like going into this job where I was going to have to really be a true employee. I'm not. I'm not made to be an employee. Like I just am not. I kind of just ended up running away to Spain for a year doing uh, teaching abroad to teach English as a second language. I love teaching. Like I love, love, love. I worked with like these little kids that were like sixth graders, especially. And like we would watch like SpongeBob SquarePants in Spanish and like we would talk about it in English and then we'd watch the English version and like watching them learn. I loved I fell in love with that. And I was like, I think I want to be a teacher. Right. But then I kind of right around that same time went home, saw my dad was really his business had just grown so much that he couldn't survive without a manager anymore. I kind of stepped in and was like, hey, I could figure this out. I did some Googling. There's a veterinary hospital managers association, pay for my membership on that and I can figure this out for you. And so that's really like the full, full, full background of kind of where I came from. And I think it all kind of comes together where I just have this authentic desire to see this this industry succeed because I've watched what it did for my dad. I've watched how we were poor as can I say shit on this? <laughs> I think I can. <laughs> well, I was I was hoping you were going to drop the first f bomb. Oh, in, I uh, could have History. Oh man. Uh, well, now you can't. Now it's just awkward. Now it's oh. awkward. Oh, I'm sorry. We were poor as shit though, and so like watching my dad really become successful within this industry, 
I wanted other people to kind of have that same success. I wanted to support his success. Like that's really where this has all come from. And I just love teaching. Like I said, like watching those like little kids when I was teaching in Spain, their eyes just light up when they figured stuff out and when they were learning. I, I love that. So I think all of these things kind of created a perfect storm with my internet addiction and they've all kind of come together to really I, I mean, I don't know. Talk about making up a job. I tell people what I do and they look at me very confused. So, <laughs> well, I love that. And it's funny, you know, this is the first episode of the podcast. I assume some people have heard my story, but I think you and I are similar in a lot of ways. I owned mm-hmm. an advertising agency before I launched Whisker Cloud. I had a lot of clients that I absolutely hated. I had <laughs> bars and restaurants and fitness companies and And I had one of the largest pork companies in the US and I had this college in Germany. I was, you know, we we had all these unique clients. And at the end of the day, I'd come home, I'd see my dogs and I would say, yeah, I really only care about you guys in the world. (laughs) I really should have done that in a different way order i'm gonna be well you didn't have you it's okay you didn't have a wife at that i'll vouch for you you didn't have she wasn't your wife quite yet then so it's just you had a girlfriend so i can see where the dogs might take priority (laughs) okay thank god you're safe you're Um, safe we love liz you know for like five years you've really saved my ass a lot (laughs) but yeah i mean i had moved to denver and trying to find a vet was a nightmare and I'm a guy who I look at a website for any business. If it's an ugly website, I'm not hiring you. I don't care if you paint houses. I don't care if you're a restaurant, dry cleaner. I don't care. If you don't have a good website, I'm not using your business. That's a personal preference to me. But I kind of look at it like if you don't care enough about your brand. I mean, I've spent two years getting ready for this podcast. I'm, I'm talking on $1,200 worth of equipment right now in case anyone's <laughs> saying, wow, he sounds really crisp. I sound way worse than this in real life. This is not, this is like <laughs> me turning like the Morgan Freeman filter up. <laughs> I really, really, really don't like when businesses have bad websites. They don't have a lot of reviews. They don't have a good social following. I looked that up recently. I'm going to go off topic a little bit, but this is something you and I can connect on. My wife and I eat sushi every Friday night. We call it Sushi Friday. We typically get it from the same place. Love them. We made the decision in the last couple of weeks. Let's try a new sushi place. You know, sometimes when you're married, you have to make really hard decisions in life. This is one of the hardest we've made. (laughs) We need to find a new sushi place. And I swear the first five we looked at, I'm like, wow, great reviews. But that website, no way. You know why? I'm sorry. Because... If as a business owner, I don't care how my website looks or care about the ordering process or care how people answer the phones, I probably don't care if people like sneeze on their hand while they're making my sushi. That's how I think of it. So with that being said, we ended up going with the sushi place that had the best website. They also have good reviews. They also post and do a good job on social media. So to me, that says I care about every part of my business. And that's sort of what led me to Whisker Clouds. Like I'm in Denver. I had lived there for maybe 48 hours. It was May. This is seven or eight years ago, maybe longer. And it was snowing like crazy outside. And I'm like, okay, I have my dogs. I need a vet right now. Like we got to figure this out. And I'm telling you, like the first four I looked at by my house, the sites were so bad. I'm like, nope, 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 nope. Can't do it. I ended up finding a vet, went in. I actually made a comment about the website. I said, who builds your website? I won't reveal the name, but some people (sighs) probably heard of them. And I said, it's really bad. I mean, I was trying to use it on my phone. And she said, well, if you know someone that can build a better site, let me know. This was like six grand and we pay a lot of money per month. And I said, are you crazy? So (laughs) there was like a seed planted there. I went back to my normal life. I ended up meeting my now wife. I was with her one day. She said, hey, Let's go to the vet. Similar thing. Went to her vet, who's now a client. Hey, Dr. Margo, big fan. <laughs> Similar issue. Bad website, spends a lot of money. It's expensive. It's out of date. I'm sitting there thinking, okay, I have an idea here. And then really, I was sitting on a boat in Miami with my best friend, Jesse, and his wife and my wife. And I said, I love animals. I've worked in the pet industry in the past. And I have this idea for veterinary medicine. I ran my dog rescue. We had a chapter in every state and some in other countries. And I'd become close with so many vets over the years. And I literally just started calling and emailing vets and asking questions. Hey, I own an agency. I'm doing some stuff. 
I have some questions. Do you like your website? It was like 50 for 50. I hate our website. Uh-huh. I was like, oh, okay, well, this will be easy. Everyone hates everything. So this will be perfect. And really, you know, just going through the motions with that stuff, spent about 10 months building Whisker Cloud, launched it in June of 2016. I think I met you a month later and the rest is history. But you know, this mm-hmm. is an industry. I mean, here I am. I was the head of marketing for a couple companies before starting my agency and then before doing this. And I was doing analysis of the industry and it was crazy. I was like, no one really cares about technology. No one really cares about social media. No <laughs> one on earth cares about like brand perception or branding. I said, what am I missing? I mean, I spent weeks like looking at every single thing in the industry and I'm like, there is no one out here who's really saying like, we're going to make vets like, look really cool. Give them all this stuff online, <laughs> help them with social media. And like, obviously you saw the same thing. So it's just this, it's this really weird industry. And I remember I was speaking at an entrepreneur founders event in Denver. And afterwards I was talking to a, a friend who owns a PR company out there. And she said, okay, there's a rumor that you're going to sell your agency and be done and start a new company. Is that true? And I said, yeah. And she said, okay, what industry are you working with? I just want to know. And I whispered in her ear. I said, all right, it's top secret, but veterinary medicine. And she was like, who even cares about veterinary medicine? I'm like, <laughs> I don't know. I got two dogs at home. I care about it. Yeah. Flash forward to 2020 and everybody in private equity cares about veterinary medicine. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you were a visionary. <laughs> yeah. So, well, maybe I brought them here. Yeah. Maybe like you and I. <laughs> Hey, we made it a lot more attractive. I will take credit on that. I agree. Well, I think most people don't realize that. So like when you think about reality TV, you think about the Kardashians. I'm not a fan. My wife watches (laughs) it from time to time. But like you really think about it. It's like brand perception, right? It's like nothing is real. The show is produced. No one else on earth has someone to like do their hair, makeup, pick out their clothes every single day. I mean, that would be great. I'd probably still wear the same blank t-shirt or same whisker cloud Your shirt. Whisker cloud shirt. Yeah, I was gonna say. yeah, like every day. But vet hospitals need to think about that. You're going to have a lot of people out there, especially millennials who are like, okay, I've got my dog. I post all the time on Instagram. I give a shit about how lighting looks when I'm doing a selfie or when I'm walking my dog or I'm going to these pop-up events and taking pictures. I'm not going to go to a veterinary hospital that doesn't care about those things. Yeah. These are things verbatim my friends have said to me, right? Because I am, how old am I now? It's like in COVID years, I'm 33. And so I am right in like the kind of higher end of what qualifies as a millennial. And I talk to my friends and they bring it up constantly. They're like, why is it so hard for me to do XYZ with my vet clinic? Or like, why is the vet clinic so gross and ugly, right? And like, these are just things I think when you're in it, I know how busy it is every single day in a veterinary clinic. My dad's clinic was just off the wall busy constantly, right? So when you're just like in the thick of it, you don't have time to like see it from this outside perspective and see what could potentially happen. And I think also you have people that are fantastic at like math and science. It is rare that you have somebody whose brain is amazing at math and science and also like wants to make things pretty. <laughs> it's it's a different kind of brain. I mean, there are people that have that overlap and they freak me out, to be honest. (laughs) I think they do exist, but you just, you attracted a certain kind of person to vet med. They were busy as shit every single day, just trying to hustle through taking care of pets. And nobody came in and said, hey, we want to actually make this look good for you, right? There was companies that were like, oh, yeah, we're going to make websites for dentists and I guess also veterinarians, right? Like those companies existed and it was just kind of out of that need, but they didn't care, honestly. They didn't have that kind of connection to it. And I think that's really what differentiates the people that are really succeeding now with helping these these practices are they're, they're people that genuinely cared about their success and brought a different skill set in. I will say it's happening more and more as more millennials get into leadership roles at veterinary clinics. I'm seeing more and more buy-in for why this stuff matters in terms of experience and realizing that experience starts with, just like you said about picking out sushi, it starts with like, what's the experience of looking at this online? Not just 
oh, does it smell decent when I come into the vet clinic? Like we're really leveling up what experience means. And I think that's super, super exciting. I agree. And I still think about like if I if I was to start a business or I was thinking about starting a practice or anything, I mean, my first thought would be, okay, website, got to have a good social presence. I got to build out my team. But I mean, my first thought, especially during COVID would be, oh, man, I I have to figure out how I'm going to look online, how people are going to perceive me online because they don't get to come in the door right now. They don't get to see my face without a mask. It's not like a, you know, like when I go see my veterinarian and, and Huntington Beach, Dr. Lewis, and him and I sit there and talk. We talk about how's business. I mean, we run ads for him. We manage his reviews. So we have all of that that him and I can sit there and talk about. He fully understands the love I have for my dogs. When he's talking to me about Baxter's allergies or about Sophie's leg as she gets older, I mean, we have these moments where we really connect, but a lot of that's been taken away. So if you're starting a new clinic, you buy a clinic, any of these things, and you're not thinking about how am I going to do the marketing? How And it's like, you know what I always say? This is really funny. And I know you agree with this. I'm so tired <laughs> of hearing people say, I don't have the budget for social media. I don't have the budget for advertising. No one has a budget. Doritos, Toyota, BMW, Coors Light, Bud Light. No one has a budget for a Super Bowl commercial, but you spend $20, $30 million and then you make back 50. And I think a lot of vets are never taught that. Yeah. You spend money to make money. You want to grow your business, you hire people. You want to have more appointments to your website, you get a better website. You do more with SEO. Right. You tell me, why don't people want to invest in these things? Why do they make it so difficult? So you know how I was saying my dad has an economics degree, and I think he's probably the only veterinarian with an economics degree. I think it comes a lot from that, right? Like I think of the educational path that a veterinarian goes through. And I'm super familiar with this now because my little brother, Sam, just graduated from Tufts and my little brother, Aaron, is applying to veterinary school right now, right? So I know exactly like what they've been navigating as they get into becoming veterinarians themselves. We're kind of speaking of the Kardashians. I feel like it's like the veterinary Kardashians over there, my dad's family. But I think that they don't, you don't know what you don't know, right? Like if you have been studying organic chemistry as a pre-vet and just trying to survive and not drown in that and then going through vet school is no joke, like learning the anatomy of every creature on earth that you probably won't even need to know 99% of when you're, when you're out. It's a lot. And there isn't time really allocated toward thinking about the business stuff outside of maybe Veterinary Business Management Association, the VBMA, that is the student organization. Some schools plop a couple things in here and there. A couple of lunch meetings aren't going to teach you about business. So I think really what it is at the end of the day, I don't as much blame veterinarians for not understanding the business and marketing side of things as much as I wish that they would just become more open to realizing that other people know more about something than you do, and that's okay. That's where it can get a little tricky, I think. And so I think increasingly you're seeing veterinarians that as they navigate this stuff in real life and they have experiences with businesses that are really positive, then all of a sudden they're starting to see, oh, shoot, I could bring that to my veterinary business, right? But otherwise, it's like they're just in such a bubble just trying to learn and get through stuff and then hustle, hustle, work. It just doesn't come up to think about ROI. What's your return on investment on these ads, right? I will never forget when I asked my dad, I spent $50 on a Facebook ad and at the time, I'm making like $17 an hour. So 50 bucks seemed like a lot of money to be spending. And so I was like, Dad, I spent 50 bucks on this, but we got, we were selling memberships to our practice and we got like several thousand dollars in memberships, people signing up for this membership program that we had at the time. And I was like, Is it okay if I keep spending money on these ads if I do another $50? And he's like, You can spend whatever you want as long as you keep getting those results. And he kind of like looked at me confused and wandered away. Like, why would I even ask? Right. And I think that that is not a common response for most veterinarians. Most veterinarians are, are just not familiar with this stuff. And so it's our job to educate. It's to show them what's possible and to really support them in making it happen. I think the other unfortunate thing is that 
a lot of veterinary clinics got burned by some of these kind of early internet companies that were offering different services to them, but didn't, like I said, really give a crap about them, right? It was just templated stuff that they were doing for dentists or whoever. And these clinics got burned by that. So the trust is broken. So it's about like educating, rebuilding that trust and showing them what's possible and making them excited to be involved in it. And also like I said, I think the one thing is like they need to realize like sometimes somebody's going to be better at this than than you and you don't have to do everything, right? I think those are the kind of big things it comes back to. You know what's funny about that? Like we're talking on the podcast right now. Mm. I'm on my desk. I have $8,000 worth of computers and monitors that I use to (laughs) run and manage Whisker Cloud. My entire house is a smart house that I wired myself. Like everything in my life is technology. But I realized something a year ago when I tried to start this podcast. I'm not good with audio. And I tested 50 things and I made this decision. I'm not good. This is not my specialty. Sure. I don't want to be the best. So I found a company. We're paying them. In fact, we're paying this company like four times what the average client pays Whisker Cloud a month for the 50 things we do for them. We're paying four times <laughs> that to get two really crisp, nice, like edited professionally podcast episodes a month. So like you and I talking right now for 30 minutes to an hour. Yeah will cost me double what someone gets getting unlimited support and stuff from Whisker Cloud and all the things we do. But for me, I made that decision. Hey, I'm not an audio engineer. I'm not going to try to be. I went to this company. They said, you want us to do it? We work with some of the biggest podcasts on earth. You're going to need this microphone, this, this, this. And I'm like, okay, but I'm not here to question it. I'm just here to do what I need to do. So I want vets to seek out people like you and Jessica Vogel saying and learn how to tell stories and learn how to do these things and grow their business and focus on helping animals. That's what makes you great. And you know what the thing is, like, if you're really good at that, reviews will come, word of mouth will come, better SEO will happen. Like all of these things are tied together, which I don't think people understand. Well, I think it's just getting so much more complicated too, right? When my dad opened his practice in 2002, it was kind of at the beginning of where you would really have an internet presence, right? And he didn't worry about that at all. And I think of what my dad took on by himself to launch the practice. He really did everything himself. Like he had an architect and a builder. But other than that, he did everything, right? Like just launching this business. And I think that I don't want to say it was easier because he worked so, so, so hard. And I mean, he worked so many hours, but it was kind of this still this time where you could just kind of open your doors and people would come flooding in, right? Because the client expectations were different and what was out there was different. I compare that to now where to kind of bring up uh, Cody Krillman again, Dr. Cody Krillman that's starting his practice up there in Alberta, FenVet, the amount of people he has involved is ridiculous. Like he had a bunch of us on a call the other day just talking about like colors. <laughs> right? There was like so many of us talking about like okay, what wood grain and what color goes with this and then cross-referencing like what I see as a marketer, you know, you have myself and my graphic design person Emily like looking at all these colors and we're talking about okay, what's going to look great on the website? What's going to look good on social? But then crossing that with the architect and being like, okay, what's an affordable thing that we can actually mimic that with? You know what I mean? Like, okay, we like this wood grain, but is it affordable? Is it durable? Like there's so many people on this conversation. And I was thinking about how that just wasn't how my dad launched his practice, right? My dad was just like, oh, here's a good commercial building ready to go. Here we are. Like, there's the logo. My dad drew his own logo. Like, (laughs) and it's actually my dad's original logo, too, was halfway decent for him having drawn it. The updated one we have is much better, but he, he really did a great job. Basically, moral of the story, he did everything himself. It's like, I think that people are still stuck in that mentality, and you can't be when it's getting so much more competitive as I I made that private equity joke. But seriously, there's so much corporate consolidation. There's so much money pouring into this space. You have really exciting brands popping up like Modern Animal and Bond Vet and what FenVet is going to do. People are going to start to expect a different level of things. And so you need to become open to bringing people in on your team that have different skill sets from you. It's going to become important. So just like you did with the podcast, like 
finding somebody that is going to be able to help you create a great brand, create a great story, create a website, great client experience online, all of these things. It's just part of the package now. I completely agree. Yeah, I mean, the world's changing around us. I think every, I mean, this isn't just vet med. And I think that we sort of look at this, we're very much in this vet med bubble, but I tell this to everyone, it's not just vet med. I mean, restaurants are going to have to figure this out really quick. Mm -hmm. I'm shocked around where you and I both live right now. The amount of restaurants that have not implemented curbside pickup, that have not implemented online ordering. So I went and looked. I looked at some of the apps that power for restaurants, like online ordering. These are two, three hundred bucks a month. Yep. Ten dollars a day. I'm laughing that you did that because I did the same thing. There's like one called Toast. I was like, how much does this cost? Why does everybody not have it? <laughs> and a lot of them have bad websites. And I'm thinking, yeah. you read all these stories, not just here in California, but everywhere. And it's like, oh, yeah. According to Yelp, 63% of businesses that went out of business, it was permanent. And it's just like, and there's a restaurant by my house that we love called Trenta. Amazing Italian food, some of the best pizza. And they didn't have online ordering when this all started. And their website was horrible. And I've reached out to the guy. I said, man, I love your restaurant. I don't want you to go. Like, right. What can I do to help? I'll help you out. Just give me some pizza or something. But <laughs> it's just like, it's really crazy to me that most businesses, not just vet med, don't understand that, that the $10 a day will bring them back. I can't even do the math. There's this place that you tried recently. I saw on Instagram, you went to Sidecar Donut. Mm-hmm. I've been going there for about two years. I had the famous voodoo donuts that are in Portland and Denver. Those were great. I'm going to spend the next 20 minutes talking about donuts. So everyone... I'm getting hungry. <laughs> in. <laughs> so the other day on our way to San Diego, we were like, okay, well, let's, let's grab some donuts. They're doing good curbside over there. So we went over to sidecar donuts, the line was 50 people deep. And I'm thinking, good for them. That's cool. But isn't there a better way even still? Yeah. Like order from your phone. Yeah. Put the credit card in, make it simple. There's something coming soon called whisker payments that is based around this. I can't give a ton of information yet, but it's the same difference. It's like, okay. I mean, so many of our hospitals as our teams or our web team and our support teams are putting messages on websites. People are like, okay, if you're paying with cash, make sure to bring a Ziploc bag, put it in the bag. Like who wants to be doing that? (laughs) I'm not going to the vet hospital, bringing cash in my pocket and saying, hey, I just Lysoled this $100 bill. I'm going to put it in this Lysoled plastic bag and hand it to you guys. You know, give me the Apoquil and right. uh, stick it under my tire. <laughs> it's just, it's weird. So it's an odd thing. But let me ask you this. Where's VetMed going from here? Like, what is VetMed doing three years from now, in your opinion, like differently? I really see this going to, I almost can see where people are going to have multiple providers for their pet's care and kind of mix and match or clinics are going to offer multiple services. And what I mean by that is kind of like a mix of, I think increasingly you're going to need to give people a reason to come to your clinic to begin with. Okay. Because otherwise I think that things through telemedicine and mobile care, we've gotten kind of used to hanging out in our houses now. And I think that people are going to start to need a reason to come out of the house. Right. And so I think practices are really going to need to up their game with the experience stuff of like, why am I bothering to come to this practice? And I mean, things like, Is there something entertaining for my kid? Is there something entertaining for me? Is there some sort of community aspect of this? Like, why am I leaving my house and coming to your veterinary practice is going to become something that I think is really critical for people to consider. And then the other side of that is how do we do business with you when we don't come to your practice? Do you partner with a mobile veterinarian? Do you offer some sort of telemedicine option and virtual care? What does that kind of look like? And so simply, I just did a webinar with Dr. Jessica Vogel saying about this yesterday, and she had such great points about how it's so simple in terms of things like messaging that people want. People think like telemedicine is this big thing with a video call and nobody wants to be on video. I think that it's just going to come down to like, how easy is it for me to do business with you? Can I just text you? And do you have something fun at your practice that's going to make me get out of it and get out of the house and go down there and want to be a part of the community that you're building around that practice? And these are very different ideas than what I think we have ever really traditionally thought about. But it's where we're going to have to keep up and adapt. I had mentioned 
brands like Bonvet and Modern Animal and what I know what we're doing at FenVet for Cody Creelman, it's all about delivering something that is just a it's a higher end product tailored to people. So I think you're going to see a lot of that stuff on one end and then a lot more like virtual care, mobile care, which I think can really alleviate access to care issues because it's it's not all just bougie people that want a bougie experience that have pets. I think that there are interesting little combos of those things that are going to come up so that we can have a great experience, deliver great care, and make sure that it is something that's affordable to all people. I agree with all that. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> well, anyway, have a good day. I'll talk to you later. All right. See you um, later. Good, good podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you talk to so many clinics all the time. And I mean, you're seeing, I see just you get most excited about the clinics. Like I think of, um, there was a practice that you helped in, I think like Palm Beach area of Florida, right? That just was like a really beautiful practice. And you're like, I want to go there. Right. And that is, there's something like intrinsic in us that we see something beautiful like that and we want to be involved in it, right? And I I think that that's something that veterinary clinics need to really consider more and more and more. And the great news about that kind of stuff is when you are thinking really holistically like that, like, is this clinic beautiful? Do I have a great team culture where they're just happy because they work in this beautiful environment and they have a nice break room and they have a great schedule and they are treated well? When we're thinking about things like that, those are the things that really form the base of strong marketing, right? Because something like a whisker cloud or something like a snout school course, we could teach you things or we can give you the tools. But if you aren't doing good work on the ground to build something that is notable and that is remarkable in some way, it's just not going to stand out anymore. So I think of it as this like way more holistic ecosystem that you have to build as a business going forward that, like I said, goes from everything from architectural design to team culture to customer experience to then what this all looks like online. And I'm not mentioning anything about medicine and that's not a mistake. And it's not because I'm not a medical kind of person. It's because at the end of the day, that's not the stuff that differentiates you. Okay. Like everybody's going to practice decent medicine, but not everybody's going to do these differentiating things. Yeah, I agree. You know, it's frustrating for me when people sign up with Whisker Cloud and, you know, they go in our onboarding team and we do a a daily status update meeting every day. And I'm at 99% of them. And I say, okay, who are some of the new clients? Is there anyone I haven't met? How are the website builds going? And, you know, you have people that say, we'll send them their website survey and try to get some questions from them. And they say, eh, just make me a logo. I'm sure it'll look nice. Yeah, make me a site. I'm sure it'll look nice. And I, I personally call them and just say, hey, you came to Whisker Club. We're not like the other companies in the space. We're not like the other companies you work with. If you want to work with us, I want your involvement. Yeah. Not like slap a paw print on it and we'll be good. You know? Like, no, I mean, well, that, and we get that a lot. It's like, hey, I want a silhouette of a dog and cat. Listen, this isn't McDonald's. <laughs> I would love to be the CEO of McDonald's. I'm sure the CEO of McDonald's lives on a beautiful yacht and has homes in 10 different countries and plays by no one rules but their own. For me, we're not that. And I would never want to be that. I think if if I was starting a business tomorrow that was more of like a local business, like a vet, a restaurant, a a dentist office. And I think about these restaurants, I think, okay, so a really good website, a couple hundred bucks a month, good SEO is included in that. If you work with the right company, hint, hint. (laughs) But like all that aside, I get an app so people can order. I do this, this, and this. I pay someone to come take photos. Like if I spend a couple thousand up front to get great photography, great videos, and, and get a really good website company and get some online ordering pandemic's not stopping me. You know what the other thing too is like we're here in like Newport Costa Mesa area in Southern California. Oh yeah. And but here's the problem. I look at my social media a lot. You know what I never see? And I was just saying this to a couple of people like I never see pretty vet clinic. Well, no, well that too, but I was saying I never see ads for a vet clinic. Yep. Vet clinics for restaurants for anything. Like no one's targeting me locally. Nothing. Not dentists, not chiropractors. None of the local businesses that most people need are targeting me locally. How is that possible? There is a pandemic. People are on their phones all day. Yep. I talk about this a lot. 
it's very interesting to me in this area, which is one of the wealthiest counties in the country. It is very populated at that. The vet clinics in general, I'm not seeing one that really stands out. There's a lot of clinics that are nice and they're fine by traditional standards, right? Like it's clean and they're professional, right? And that's fantastic, but it isn't enough anymore, in my opinion. And I I think that I talk about this stuff and I'm critical. And I think you come from the same standpoint. We're, we're critical of this stuff and we're opinionated on it. And we talk about it because we care, because we're like, we're kind of trying to be like the chicken little of like the sky is falling. And I am trying to tell you right now, the sky is going to fall on you if you do not level up in your experiential game that you are really delivering to your veterinary clients, period. Like it is going to happen. I cannot tell you how frequently venture capital people and private equity people are talking to me and they're like, okay, well, what do the clinics of the future look like? Like these are conversations that are happening all of the time. And I'm so passionate about independent small businesses continuing to succeed that I am scared, frankly, that if they don't start leveling up in these ways, running ads, making an experience that people are interested in, creating a brand that people like want to wear your logo, like creating something that is just that next level type thing. I don't think your average veterinary clinic understands how much they're setting themselves up to fail by being an ostrich with their head in the sand on these topics. Wow. Sorry, that's my soapbox moment. And I was just like, like (laughs) again, it's like, I am critical of it because I, having grown up in the industry, having grown a business within this space, having the network I have, I swear to God, like I know, I know way too many people in this industry. I always joke, like I know all the gossip and because I know all the gossip, I know what's coming for this industry. So I really am trying to like chicken little on people that have just a small practice, one or two practices and want to continue to succeed. You're going to need to level up very, 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 very soon. And I think The thing is, you know, you were talking about any kind of business, like not focusing on this stuff. And I think the sad reality for vet clinics is they have this mentality where if you stop for two seconds and you're not like holding an animal in your hands, you aren't working. Right. And I think it's sad to think that like we can't these business owners need to stop and shut things down for a hot second and say, how can we make this better? Like sidecar donuts, perfect example. It's like, we need to pause and say, okay, how do we not have a line of 50 people out the door? Right. But veterinary medicine is so like used to just looking at whatever pet is right in front of them, the pile of paperwork they have in front of them. And and they don't stop to think, okay, what's the experience like on the other end of this? And how can I make it better? Unfortunately, the tendency is that to actually blame the clients, right? If a client is mad about something, then the client just doesn't understand how hard it is to work in veterinary medicine. But like your client might be a ER doctor. Like they understand, they could potentially still understand you, but they still need a good experience. I don't know. It's complicated. And like I said, I, I see the team like Cody's building around himself to build his practice. It's not something you're going to do alone. You're going to need support, but it's better to stop and plan and create something great that's going to succeed in this new era versus just, you know, grinding, grinding, grinding so much that you don't stop it to smell the roses and see that you need to kind of stop and level up. (laughs) I agree. This is an industry that when I got into it, five, six, seven, how many years ago? Jeez, that went quick. (laughs) But it's like everyone was talking about, yeah, like, yeah, no one cares about technology. No one thinks about marketing. And here we are. It's about to be 2024 here in 2020. And like, we're still having that same conversation where it's just some hospitals care, some don't. And I hate to say this. That's right. Walmart's coming. The consolidators are coming. Winter is coming. Right. And it's not even just those things. I think it is people with ideas are coming too, is the thing that people need to realize. Like we're getting to a point where in the middle of a global pandemic, this is one of the few industries that is truly thriving and succeeding. And that means that people are coming into the space that have money because they are looking to make more of it. And they are finding people that are going to deliver on these kinds of ideas for them. And so it's that's where you see the things like the the bond vet or the modern animal popping up. And 
we are talking about those not because they're even doing anything that crazy. They're doing amazing work, but it's not anything that earth shattering. They're just actually creating modern brands <laughs> and running modern businesses. But that's remarkable in this industry. Like those two brands get talked about so much because in this industry, it is earth shattering to be like, oh, my practice looks trendy. Oh, that's earth shattering, right? Or like, oh, we built our own software so that we could run more efficiently. Earth shattering, right? And so really, they're just being smart about how the world works in 2020. But they're not the only people that are going to figure it out. And that's where I really do worry about some of these small independent practices. And that's why I do so much to try to educate them and help them have resources to, to get better. Well, it's the same thing with us. We're not going to let them we make updates to their sites. The people we don't hear from in three months, we're still sitting there making updates. We're still updating designs. We're still adding automations when we can. And the people that just don't seem interested, I mean, we're sending them a lot of content, reaching out to them as well and just saying, hey, you might not be asking us for this, but you really need it. And we're getting ready to roll out a whole nother system of automations and payments and all of this other stuff. So there's like going to be no excuse to not have a great business that's running smoothly in modern days. So do this for me. Give me the 60 second rundown on what's coming in the next 12 months for Snout School. Okay. So 2021 for Snout School is a big question. But the biggest things that we are working on is really creating, again, I want to see people succeed. So we're trying to create continuing education experiences that ensure your success. Okay. I don't want people just buying courses to buy courses. Nothing bothers me more than when people buy our courses or guides and they don't even open them or look at them or participate in them. I'm not in it just to make money off of people. It's great when you get that sale, but we are really looking at ways that we can make continuing education more experiential to keep people engaged, to look at ways that they're going to get real results that we're kind of talking about here. So those are the big things we're looking at. And we're branching the topics we cover outside of just marketing stuff because I just know so many talented women in this space that have other things to teach. So we're just really trying to diversify what we're doing and get, like I said, those real tangible results for people. So those are kind of, that's like the big level version of what we're doing. <laughs> it's a big question. Well, you and I are involved in a lot of projects together and yeah. you and I are both passionate. That's a, that's a nice way. Of I call myself <laughs> a little crazy. I'm like, a little I'm, crazy. <laughs> yeah, that's better. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think in vet med, there's a lot of people that are in it for the money. And there's a lot of people that are going to sit here and, and pound the desk and pound their chest and just say, shut up and let us help you. And you, by the way, how often do you scream that at me? Help me help you. I wake it's up so some true. nights hearing that. <laughs> so true. <laughs> I think that's absolutely the case. Actually, that should have been what my answer for South School 2021 is just help me help you. You know what I mean? <laughs> Campaign slogan. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> well, I don't know how we're going to top this as the first episode, but this was fun. I don't know what took me two years to do this. I know. I know. Hey, it's a lot of logistics. And it's one of those things, again, you know, you got to stop and realize that you you need to outsource. So I'm, I'm glad you found a company to help you with the podcast. I'm glad you're talking about that, frankly, because I think that transparency really helps people see that it's okay to ask for help and okay to outsource some things that aren't your expertise. You don't have to know everything. So I'm, I'm absolutely thrilled for you that you have this going. And I am excited to see where the future episodes go. Absolutely. Thanks to everyone listening. Make sure to like, comment, subscribe. This is my first time having to say that. I don't even know all the things you can do with a podcast. I listen to like seven <laughs> of them. But yeah, and uh, more episodes on the way. And go check out snoutschool.com. Go check out whiskercloud.com slash blog. Go join all the Facebook groups and uh, we'll all chat soon. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Got it. <laughs>